We're actually in uh, chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. So we are really in the midst of the, the real meat and potatoes of this tribulation era that we're in reading about. The, um, we're going to also be in Revelation Unveiled. We'll be, uh, and if you have Tim LaHaye's book that we've been uh, reading, we'll be actually starting in page 196, if you're following along there. But if you'll turn to page 28 in your handout, which is highlights of the Revelation chapter 12. First, let me start with uh, anybody aware of anything going on in the world this week that tends to open the doors or ideas about where we are in the Revelation or the book of Daniel. Anything happened this week globally that you thought of that's like, hmm, that's interesting? One in particular? Yeah, the, the, all the internet, the, the stuff with fires and earthquakes. And, but one I was thinking about was the Pope had a signing this week with uh, the imam in the United Arab Emirates. And Matthew 5, first of all, when you look at the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. So I give the Pope all that for working on peace to try to bring things. But some of the things, let me see if I can grab my phone. Some of the things that we need to just keep our eyes wide open on, uh, in the document that was signed, it was actually a covenant agreement between the, one of the top imams and, and the Pope, and there were all world religions apparently were present. And uh, this is in, in, you can pull this up, but if you look at Prophecy News Watch, um, this article, a push for one world religion, as the Pope and the Muslim Imam sign an interfaith agreement. Historical interfaith agreement was signed in the Middle East on Monday, and the mainstream media in the United States is almost silent about it. At least it lists the, uh, the Imam, Sunni Islam leader, um, signed this agreement. Um, this wasn't just a ceremony for Catholics or Muslims. According to British News source, the signing of this covenant was done in front of a global audience of religious leaders from Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and other faiths. The Pope and the Grand Imam signed the historic declaration calling for peace between nations, good thing, uh, between religions and races in front of the global audience of all the leaders. Pope Francis, the leader of the world's Catholics, and the Sheikh Ahmed Al-Tayyib, the head of the Sunni Islam most prestigious seats of learning, arrived in Abu Dhabi, and uh, we're in a symbol of handshake and agreement. In the covenant, the, the uh, signing by Pope Francis and the great, great imam um, is a reflection of prayer, much prayer, and the Pope explained the document was born out of faith, but there was some concerns. We who believe in God and the final meeting, this is uh, that we're all gonna stand before God. The problem was, in, from my perspective, um, there was this acknowledgement that all the gods are the same. That um, they spoke of God, and of course, obviously, Allah is not the same God as Yahweh. Anybody who thinks that, we can have a debate on it scripturally, and I'll show you why you're not right. Um, but there's, there's this idea that's, and I understand the desire for peace, and that's a good thing. Blessed are the peacemakers. But as we read the next several chapters, chapter 12 and 13, the stage that's here about the ecumenical church that will come on 
in the last days. We just need to have our eyes wide open. Years ago, the uh, World Council of Churches, same thing, ecumenical movement, which if we could fundamentally agree on the same foundation, Christ is the only way to the Father, right? If you stand in um, on the Temple Mount and you read what's inside the Temple Mount, it says, there is no Father, therefore there is no Son. And he who has... In the dome, dome of the rock, yeah. And so we know from the scriptures, if you don't have the son, you don't have the father either. And there's no way to the father except through the son. So there's no compromise in here. We can't compromise with that. We can agree to let's go for peace. And if you want to have your religion, that's fine. But um, I can't acknowledge that my God is the same as your God. I, so, so we just need to pray and keep our eyes wide open. I, I, I implore, obviously, the peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are they who keep peace and seek peace in Matthew 5. All right, so are you there in page 28? I want to read out of uh, chapter 12. And those who might be joining for the first night, I realize you're dumping into the middle of the tribulation. And uh, just kind of buckle up and try to go with us on this one. If you want to pull out your word, I'm going to be reading out of the the New Living Translation, but I may also reference the King James uh, in this parallel Bible. But we're going to start in Revelation 12, and let's, we'll read actually through Revelation 13 as well. <clears throat> Setting the stage of where we are, at this point, based on uh, LaHaye's book and at this point in the commentary, we're about mid-tribulation, the middle of the seven-year period of the worst tribulation ever will happen in the world. Jesus said, never going to happen again. It happened that you can read this in, in Matthew 24, or Luke 21, Mark 13, in that tribulation as Jesus told what was coming. And so we're in the middle of the tribulation era. At this point, we believe that the church of Jesus Christ, all those whose names are written in the book, have been taken out. We covered that in the, this is what, week number five. So when we, we looked at set the stage for why we believe the rapture of the church, uh, and if you want to watch some good movies, go, go on and look for Left Behind series. That'll be a good one uh, to look at and you get a picture of the rapture of the church. So we're going to pick up here. At this point, we shared last week that the two witnesses um, have been prophesying, telling others about it. The 144,000 out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel have been doing an evangelistic work, probably the greatest of all evangelism that's ever taken place in the earth. And now we're about to see the worst part of the tribulation being unveiled, even though already we've seen half the world destroyed. And we looked at nuclear war, and we looked at some of the things that are spoken of, both in the Ezekiel 38-39 wars that we believe could happen at any moment. We also saw the war between um, Israel and some of its neighbors. Okay, Revelation 12-1. The woman and the dragon. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event, and I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky and threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, 
ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all the nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God prepared a place to care for her for 1260 days. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and, it, and the sea. For the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to a place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time and times and a half time. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with the flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowed the river and gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. The dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children and all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. The beast out of the sea, Revelation 13.1. Then I saw a beast rising out of the sea, it had seven heads, ten horns, and ten crowns on his horns. <clears throat> the written on each head were the names that blasphemed God. The beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his own power and the throne and great authority. I saw <clears throat> that the one of his heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power. They also worshipped the beast. Who is this great as the beast? Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who is able to fight against him? Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name, his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority for rule over every tribe and people and language of nation. And all the people who belong to this world, they worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life 
before the world was made, the book that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyone who hears, has ears to hear, should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb. He spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast. He required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded, anyone refusing to worship, it must die. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand of the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without the mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for his number is an, of a man, and his number is 666. Wow, lots of figurative speech and all sorts of symmetry and wild. So let's try to unpack some of what we have just read. So if you'll turn to your handout on page 28, or if you have the Lahey um, book, page 196. So in Revelation 12, first of all, let's try to break down some of the characters. Let's do the easy one first. Who do you think the man-child is? <coughs> Jesus, right? He's going to rule the, the world with an iron rod. He's, he's uh, the one who was taken into heaven, right? So that's pretty straightforward. I believe we can we could probably all agree on that. There is a great deal of controversy over history over who is this woman. And so when you look at it, the, the sun-clothed woman, in your handout, this particular commentary says, very clear to him, that it's Israel. Now, there are those that believe it's uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, there are those that have believed other things about who this was. Some believe it's the church. And so... The reality of, I think if you piece all this together, Lehay comes down, he, makes, he, he deals with the arguments, he says, to him it's clear that it means Israel through the ages. One of the arguments for that is that, first of all, the woman is in heaven. So she's giving birth in heaven. And if you look at the history of the Jewish people, they are the ones that will bring forth Messiah. Right? They're the ones. So that whole historical setting of Israel's purpose the seed of Abraham would bring forth that Messiah. <clears throat> so I think we can agree, regardless of who it is, um, the sun-clad woman, if it's in heaven, that she obviously brings forth 
this birthing, this, and it's representative. So the argument there is this is taking place in heaven. And if you read, go back to that first part of chapter 12. I witnessed in heaven a great, an event of great significance. She was pregnant. She cried out in her labor pains. I saw the woman clothed in the sun and the moon. And I witnessed in heaven a significant event, the large dragon. So who's the dragon? Yeah, he makes it real clear, right? That Satan, the, the, and uh, that this, there's this war that goes on. And so if you look at your handout, if we could just go with this and say, look, Israel, if you're from a denomination or background that believes that there is no Israel of any significance, that the church has replaced Israel, that's the replacement theology, which I don't believe is biblical. If you look a couple of scriptures, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says there's one new man, both Jew and Gentile. Romans says we've been grafted in. We're the wild crowd, right? We're the wild bunch. Some of you really are. And so you're the wild ones that have been grafted in. But we know from, if you turn with me, uh, turn to Romans 11 for a minute. Just keep your finger in Revelation. Turn back to Romans chapter 11. Paul answers this question in verse 1, Romans 11. I ask you then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people. He goes on and makes the argument and talks about the veil that was dropped over their eyes so that we, the Gentiles, could come in. And then he speaks of the exact number um, of Gentiles has come in. Look at verse 25, uh, Romans 11 says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. And I believe that's what happens in this whole, both uh, replacement theology. It's like, you know, we're now it, they missed it, and we've got it. And, and he says, I don't want you to be conceited about this. The, what has happened in Israel is until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, and so then all of Israel will be saved. So we know at some point, and there's plenty of other scriptures, if you read all of them, read Zechariah. Zechariah 12, 13, and 14, I asked, maybe you look at that a couple weeks ago, that has both the first coming, second coming, and it says in Zechariah 4, it says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced as the one of the only begotten of the Son. This is where Revelation comes to the Jewish people, and it's going to come, we're going to see it unveiled in Revelation 12, 13, and 14. Uh, So... um, I believe, personally, that this, we're talking about the nation of Israel. But if you hold to something now, it, it really is okay, as long as we agree that Christ is the child and the devil is the one who's trying to destroy him. We can agree to disagree. All right. Um, <clears throat> the uh, beast with the seven heads and the ten horns. <clears throat> if you recall our discussion of Daniel and what Nebuchadnezzar's dream and then Daniel's follow-on dream uh, in chapter 9, 10, and 11 of Daniel... I'm going to pick that up again this Sunday. We're going to continue on in the, in the study of Daniel. I just haven't had enough time to pull that apart, and I want to. Um, but, and that would be good. But you can read through the book of Daniel. It'll be confirmation for a lot of these uh, chapters that we're about to dig into. There's this system, and if you look at the nations, because we know when Gabriel came to Daniel and interpreted the dream for Daniel, he told him, these nations, the the statue, the gold statue was Babylon, right? That was Nebuchadnezzar. Then the next dream, the Greeks, the 
Greco, uh, Greeks that would come in after that and the Persians that would come. We looked at uh, King Darius and we read something uh, about Belshazzar, the night that Belshazzar, who was drinking out of the goblets from the temple and the writing on the wall comes and at that point they summon Mama from the king, summons Daniel the prophet and he transla- transfers for them the prophetic message that you're going to lose your kingdom. <clears throat> that night they are attacked, they come in and at that point, Babylon is destroyed. And the Medo-Persian Empire rises. That's the second world power. There's only been four world powers. You know, we may be a, a superpower, but we're not a world power. We don't dominate the world. And so at that time, then what happens? Alexander the Great comes in. That's prophesied again from that. And you can see that. So, and then the Roman Empire comes in, and we are at this place where the, now the nations that exist in the world today are the remnants of the clay and the iron in the toes that exist from that dream. And there comes this point at the end where the Antichrist, Daniel's 70th week, this is that last seven-year period that was prophesied. All of the other uh, weeks have been already fulfilled. This one seven-year period that uh, Daniel prophesied would come. And he said in the latter time, Daniel, we'll, we'll read this in Daniel chapter 12 this coming Sunday, he says, Daniel, you go and sleep now. This is such a time as latter days, it'll be fulfilled. When they run to and fro in the earth, right, and knowledge increases, there'll be a time, Daniel, when this will be fulfilled, and the people of the kingdom will come and take all of that and rule and reign with him forever. I'm getting zapped right now. He likes that. <laughs> I know you do, Lord, and we're waiting for that day. And so um, when we look at this the dramatic events that take place in this, we see that um, the beast with the seven heads and ten horns is governmental systems. It's, you know, we we may worship, we we certainly love our country, right? But you can't worship a system or a government. You can't, right? There's only one. We sang about, let me have no idols. I may love my country, but I don't idolize my country. It's still founded on nothing but we need Jesus to come and rule and reign. Then it'll be justice. We see that this battle takes place in heaven. And if you'll see, I I like what um, LaHaye says here. We are now in the middle of the tribulation. We're at this place where the, the, the four personages, the sun clothed woman, the devil, Christ, and now Satan's governmental operation or government systems, right? Um, We also know that Satan's about to fall. On page 200 of LaHaye's study, we we also see that there's this war in heaven. I like what's said here. Many of you might agree that if you've ever been involved in any form of deliverance or if you've seen demonic torments in people, right? People who've opened the door in sin can get uh, a form of demonic oppression on them. It causes a lot of stuff to go on. Well, where does that originate from? I, you know my testimony. I was a nuclear engineer. I didn't believe, I didn't want to bother Satan. I didn't know if he really existed. I didn't want to bother him, and I certainly didn't want him to bother me. And then I get saved, and then we start doing missions, and I'm sorry, you can't watch some of the things we've watched and not know that there's a demonic. When you got a 14-year-old girl that takes five men 
some of them arms as big as my head, and they can't hold her down. And her eyeballs are rolled back in head, and she's spitting all sorts of stuff at her. And then you come with the name of Jesus, and you speak love over her, and she's set free, and she's in her right mind, and she stands before you and declares that there is a Christ. And I've been set free from that. Well, where did, this, where did these beings come from? If you believe the word, well, Jesus does a really great teaching throughout the New Testament. But go read Matthew 12. He says, when a demon leaves a person, the kingdom of God has come among them, right? And so then they accuse him of being the prince of demons. And he says, don't ever blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And then he does a teaching. He says, you can't enter a strong man's house unless you first bind him up. When we come to Christ, because he also tells us deliverance is the children's bread. You need to be a child of God in order to get access to the bread, which is access, right? And so those who are born again have access to life and the one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we'd ever ask or think. And at that point, when they come and say, well, I want to confess my sin, because he says, if you'll confess your sin you'll be freed from those things, right? James 5 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, accomplishes much. Confessing my sin one to another, that I might be, in the Greek word, is sozo, healed, saved, and delivered, right? And so he says, so there's this part where we come in 1 John 1, 9, we confess our sins to Christ, which we do at communion or in time where I've messed this up, and which one of us hasn't messed it up? Hello, Right? We come and we confess our sin to him. He is faithful. John 1, 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful to forgive me from all unrighteousness. That is a mind blower. You don't know what I've done, Pastor. Yeah, if we haven't done it, we've heard it. So don't give me that. I don't, if you think that you're beyond help, you're believing the devil's lie. He is the royal one who's able to take his royal blood and cancel that from you. That's the promise of salvation. But that is almost... Unbelievable, and then you say what, what James tells us, that if you'll humble yourself and draw close to God, James 4, then he will draw close to you. Then you can resist the devil, and he will flee. So where did these demons come from? Why in the world? Here's an example where during this war in heaven, in Revelation 12, one-third of these, however large number that was, we know from prior chapter, we read there's minions upon minions and minions of angels around the throne, right? And so, but one-third of them gets swept out in the war. And we know that Michael and the battle goes on. And so let's, let's pick up there. We see where in your handout, <clears throat> in 4A there, it says, they fought between the archangel Michael and the dragon and his angels. Now, it's interesting in Scripture, Gabriel seems to be the messenger angel. Remember, he shows up to Mary, shows up to Zechariah, shows up to Daniel. <clears throat> so when he's carrying a big message, the archangel Gabriel comes. When there's a war battle going on, Michael. We know that from the book of Daniel, right? It says, as soon as Daniel started praying 21 days earlier, I was dispatched to get to you, but I couldn't get to you because the prince of Persia and the, the, the one who's over your nation is battling, and Michael is there, and we were able to get a breakthrough, and now I'm here to give you the message, Daniel, but I got to get back there and help Michael. That's interesting. So it's like Michael 
is contending with Satan. And he needs to have all these other angels. And the battle goes on. And the good news is the angels defeat him in heaven. <clears throat> the bad news, he's thrown to earth. Right? And then who does he make war with? He's, he's really ticked off. Jump past the, towards the end of chapter 12. And then it goes on and says, well, that's really good news that they lost the battle. The bad news is they're down here. And now they declare war about everyone who has a testimony in Christ. That's not great news, I guess, but we have the victory. Amen? Let me go back to Revelation chapter 12. It says there, And the dragon, verse 17, Revelation 12, 17, And the dragon was angry, and the woman at the woman, which I believe is Israel, and declared war against the rest of her children and all who keep God's commandments and maintain, that's an interesting word, their testimony for Jesus. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. So this war in heaven, um, I believe there, we shared last week. Remember there were certain demons that were in um, the, the abyss and they got unlocked for some, one, of the, one of the woes that was released. There's these really wicked demons that were so wicked. We read that out of Peter. We read it in Jude. They're so wicked, they're locked up until a certain point of the woe that needs to be released. And then they're let out of the abyss. And that's where war comes. And, you know, a third of the earth is destroyed. Well, here we have another group of angels that have been rebellious. And they are what many believe to be the demons of today. And so when you look at the wickedness, the extreme wickedness that's going on right now on the earth. I mean, I know there's always been wickedness. But there is some things. I'm not even going to repeat some of the stuff that's out right now that is just... Uh, between the trafficking and the children, I mean, it's just, God, it makes you so angry. Anyway, so, but there's this extreme wickedness that you know a person in their right man, mind cannot be, it's got to be under the influence of evil spirits. And so, um, the good news is we have the ability and the authority to come against that and see people get free if they want to be. I have found that a person who is born again, engaging their will with Christ, and the Holy Spirit, there is no demon that can keep that person locked up. If they'll engage their will and they will walk with Christ, I'm telling you. He says, I, it's, he says I've, I've overcome the world. You know, he said, all things are possible to those who believe. Jesus said in 1 John 3, 8, I've come to destroy the works of the enemy, of the devil. Now you say, he said in John 4, now go do likewise. In fact, greater works shall you do because I go to my Father. So when the things that we have seen and the glory of the presence is just encouraging to me, even in the wickedness of all. Okay, this part where in 5a there where it says the, they're hidden away, there's an interesting commentary here. I don't know if you saw this this week. There was a, another interesting event that happened. This, all this stuff doesn't seem to get reported. We're so worried about everything else that's going on, you know, Trump and Russia and walls and anyway, so... We released a whole bunch of support money to the king of Abdullah of Jordan and Israel, defense money. Now, we've gone, we've driven that thing. Remember in the Dead Sea, November we were there, we drove along the Dead Sea, and you see the whole border between Jordan. Back before the Six-Day War, 1967, when they, got, when they captured the Golan Heights and all, that was all Jordanian territory. And Jordan had half of Jerusalem. Remember? You still still see the bullet holes in the walls in Jerusalem. And so 
during that war, when Israel completely, the Lord, completely annihilated all those Arab states that came against them, at that point, Israel was recognized, and now Jordan recognizes them as a legitimate state. And King Abdullah, is, he, he's an ally. He's kind of, but it, when I believe, and, and this is Lahay, and I think it's true based on what we see now. When this was written 19 years ago, um, that was just a story. Well, maybe it'll happen. He believes, Lahay, and I think it's right, there's a time during the tribulation hour when anti-Semitism and their guillotine people, the guillotine comes back and they are guillotining people for their faith. They're tracking them down. If you've got the mark of the beast, you're toast already. But if you don't have the mark of the beast, you can't buy or sell. You're going to need, we need the Corey Ten Booms. We need the Otto Schindlers from World War II to rise up and hide Jews, right? If we're still here, there'll be those that'll be raised up. Jordan is a place where you can hide Jews, Right now, I believe that's the place where... So when they say they're going to go into the wilderness, where, where are they going? There's a place where Jews at that time are hidden. And I believe Jordan is certainly one of those places. And now that we're pumping military aid into Jordan, and they are also taking over a million refugees from the Syrian revolution, Syrian uh, civil war. When you look at that, what's happening? This is what's right before us right now. So you look at what's going on with the Pope. A few weeks ago, we shared about the mark of the beast, right, what was coming, where Israel passed a law that the cashless society is right around the corner. We talked about the company that's in Michigan that you receive a little chip in here. You can open a door. You can buy your, your goodies from the... So this is all technology that 20 years ago did not exist. The stage is set. God is coming back really, really soon. I believe the rapture of the church can happen at any moment, and the war against Russia and Iran... And the Ezekiel battle that's in Ezekiel 38, 39, it is imminent, which will usher in, in the United Nations, this Antichrist will come on the scene and say, we got to stop all this craziness. Let's get together as nations. You've already got Merkel from Germany and the EU, all those, they, they, you need to surrender your sovereignty for one world government. It's, I mean, it is here. When they wrote these books, that was just fictitious thoughts or revelation from the Holy Spirit of what could happen. We're living in the day. We're watching it unfold every day in the news. I mean, if it doesn't wake you up, you've got to be brain dead. I'm serious. It's like, come on, people, right? <clears throat> so we don't have to be fearful, but we do need to be ready. And those who are lazy and set aside, not, not in pursuit of this, you may not make it out on the first plane out of here. So I'm just encouraging you. Get saved now and believe Christ and change your ways. That's a good thing. Okay, let's, um, let's move on. Special note there on, on 6. It says, there's a chapter in the, in, in the chapter of Revelation that ties the major events of this dramatic story, Old Testament and New. The wilderness, this is no ordinary wilderness, which usually is a desolate, unpopulated, deserted, lonely Notice verse 6 reveals the wilderness to be a populated area with an excellent food supply. And verse 14, the remnant of, is whisked away with the great wings of an eagle. Again, the area provides nourishment. That's why I believe there'll be a hiding of Jews. Um, if you've never watched the movie Otto Schindler, The Schindler's List, anybody who's watched that one? It's a, it's, well, it's, it's not an easy listening one. It's, a, it's sad about what happened during the Holocaust. But Otto Schindler was one of those guys who... Um, he saved over 1,200 Jews. 
He was a manufacturing guy in Germany, and when he got a hold of the revelation of who the Jews were, he pulled heaven and earth. He spent millions and millions of his own dollars. Um, when he died, he was listed on the Friends of Israel, and now there's over there's thousands of Jews that are alive today because of Otto Schindler, and so it's the Corey Ten Booms and those that are going to be those that if they're here. Um, and I believe there will be. So that's what I believe that wilderness. Turn to page 28A. Much controversy around the, the sun-clothed woman and the, man, um, and the man-child. He believes, again, this commentator agrees with LaHaye. These are two different ones. That uh, that represents Israel. Um, some believe it's the church, but he believes it's Israel. And he ties it into the dream that Joseph had about, <clears throat> he had a dream, right? He saw the sun, it's Genesis 37.9. We won't take the time to go there now. <clears throat> Down through the ages, the suffering of Israel, the woman who yearned for Messiah. You clearly see the dragon there. I don't think we can argue that. The, Jesus, the, the one who rules with the rod of iron. Um, <clears throat> I think this is all pretty clear. Um, from our prior looks here. So turn to page uh, 28b. As the persecution intensified, God makes a way for Israel to be hidden for three and a half years in the same way that, that they were today. Um, <clears throat> during the Holocaust, anyone ever see the, the hiding place? Right? We were actually in Holland and we went to, um, yeah, where Anne Frank hid out before she was arrested and killed. But we went to the hiding place, her, the actual building in Holland where she was hidden away. And I got to tell you, I had a, uh, a spiritual moment there. This was, bef we had not been to Israel at this point. My heart, you know, we found out we probably have some Jewish blood in our family line. Um, so I had this desire and, and, and hunger for, Jew for Jewish people and desire there. But we're in the third story of Anne Frank's hideout. And they were given, I just broke down and started to weep. I'm like, like what, what is this going on? And then shortly thereafter, um, our Jewish friends through Neil Blake, you know, that we had sent a team to Israel to do worship on the Mount of Olives. We brought a 5,000-person tent uh, to Israel in 2007, I believe it was. And we had worship teams there. And, and uh, when, when that whole thing was laid out, first the, the mayor of Jerusalem and many of the Jews thought, you know, you're crazy. You can't put a Christian worship tent on the Mount of Olives, which is under the authority and control of the Muslim families, you'll go there, you're going to get killed. But if you can get the mayor of Jerusalem to agree, um, and you can spend a half a million dollars in security, we'll allow you to do it. And money poured in, story of Neil's testimony. People who knew nothing would write $50,000 checks anonymously and purposefully. He raised over a million dollars for this to happen. So we get, in the mayor of Jerusalem, here's a quick testimony of when God gives you an assignment that seems impossible, and the love for Jesus, uh, love for the Jewish people. When Neil cleared through the mayor of Jerusalem, he had to get permission from him first before he could go to the families who control the, the, the uh, Mount of Olives, which is where the tent was going to be settled, uh, set. And the mayor, the door opened him, and the mayor, they just hit it off. He says, look, here's the 90-plus-year-old person who is the head of the families 
and his sons. But it's not likely you're going to have this approval. Neil prays about it. He's got people praying all over. We got our teams that want to go there, and we're praying, fasting. And when he walks into the to the meeting place with the head of the Muslim families, he's in his 90s. He stops and he looks at Neil, and he says, "This is the man that God has been showing me in my dreams. You will give him everything he needs and make sure he doesn't get hurt." He told his sons, "Make it happen." And, I mean, crazy, when, you know, our worship teams, for that many days, the only thing we had, we had a Molotov cocktail thrown through the backside of the tent, and they took care of all that, and we left it in that 5,000-person tent, a big burn hole. If you ever went to our own locations, what was that? What happened? You had a fire? Yeah, we had a fire, Holy Spirit fire. And so um, why I say that is there is this place in our hearts that you need to love the Jewish people. And witness for them, pray for them. And since that time, our travels to Israel and our connections and what we saw and what we see is all unfolding as part of this beautiful picture of what God has. And if you're, ever, if you're still here and there's a remnant, make a way for them. Find a hiding place for them. Okay. Turn to page. Page 29, Revelation 13. Let's try to dig into the seven heads, the ten horns, and the system. Um, well, first of all, we know that based on Daniel's dream and the dream that has already been interpreted, that these horns are nations and the heads are empires, right? We saw that from Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We saw that in the interpretation that Daniel gave and also uh, what Gabriel gave to Daniel. And we'll dig into some more of that this Sunday. Um, the Antichrist is the head of the system. So these systems, um, the false prophet. Who do you think, is a false prophet an actual being? What's your, th- what's your thoughts on that? I believe it is. Remember, when we, when we dig into this, you'll see that there's an antichrist. He's one of the beasts. He's the one who's the top. And then there's a false prophet who gives power and to, unto the beast, and he causes everyone to worship the beast. So... There's a religious influential leader that will arise somewhere in this process, and the two of them together, and we know that we just read, at some point in this tribulation era, hour, the beast receives a head wound. Now, there's different um, beliefs around, different commentaries. Some think it's not an actual head wound, that this could be a religious thing, Um, I believe, and I, I mean, Scripture is pretty clear here. It he says there's a fatal wound. He recovered from it. And we know, based on Scripture, at this point, the Antichrist is an evil man. At this point, after the head wound, he is completely taken over by Satan himself. And so at this point, with the wickedness that happens, and that's when he turns against Israel. Remember, there was a covenant with Israel, peace, peace, peace. And then he turns in the middle of it, and at that point, stands in the temple, which we be, believe will be built. He stands and he says, I'm God. And then forget no more religions, no more Judaism. No, The religion is Antichrist religion. And so at the, I believe the false prophet is an influential religious leader who will rise during this period, and the two of them together are going to cause the deception that causes people to believe the lie. And so, but he's empowered by Satan. 
And we read last week, they ne- even though that all these, you know, half the world's population has already been destroyed, nuclear war, famines, pestilences, and yet they still refuse. I mean, if you're really in a bad place, why would you hide in a cave and say, hide us from God? But there's a bunch of crazy theories that are going, this whole alien thing and the walking dead and zombie land and all this crazy, what is that doing? It is programming right now people to believe that, you know what, if let's say that tonight we go home and the rapture of the church takes place and we're out of here. In the morning, the front, like, we got we to gotta explain this thing. How are you going to explain it? One of the explainings, we knew there was this disappearance by aliens. You see that? We knew it. So we need to get together and let's get ready for war in the heavens. Talk about a space program. We need to get ready because those guys are coming back again. You can see the deception that could happen as one of the explanations. And this whole thing about zombies, I believe that some of the commentaries said, well, if the, the man, Antichrist, who's not completely possessed at this point, dies, he ought to go to Hades. But if he's taken over by the devil himself, and he's now devil incarnate, and he does all these crazy... So I, I personally, you, you can have your, obviously your position on that. I believe he literally receives a head wound. Maybe somebody tries to take him out, and while they're all watching, he comes back to life. He says, I'm back. And, and then, whoa, let's, let's, uh, yeah, he's been resurrected. Here's the counterfeit. He's been resurrected. Remember Jesus with the crowns and he's, the, so he, again, the devil tries to counterfeit what he does, what the Lord, and the devil has power. We, we talked about this last week. Demons and mediums and psychics, they all have power just that their source is all screwed up, right? As opposed to Jesus, who is the source of all life. But the devil always counterfeits. In all the nations I've been in, I'm telling you, he always counterfeits that. Gets people to believe the lie. They open the doors to sin or generational sin. If you've got a father or mother, or they're involved in witchcraft. They're involved in all sorts of immorality, in drunkenness. That will follow down the lines because Exodus 20, verse 5 says, The sins of the father visit to the third and fourth generation. But he blesses to a thousand generations those who love him. See, what sin does for five generations, you know, God does for a thousand. All right. So what do we see? We see here that the horns are nations, the heads are empires. We saw that from Daniel's dream. The Antichrist becomes the head over the system. The false prophet is an influential religious leader. The idolatry introduced in worship is the image of the beast. We know that he controls all commerce. And I mean, I, I, I read that to you, right? Prophecy of the Mark of the Beast. I think I read that last Wednesday, right? If anybody wants to read that article, you can look it up. But that is coming in the world system today. The cashless society is on its way. Okay. And then he can control everything. All right. Turn to page 29A. Some of the highlights from chapter 13. John stands on the earth. He sees the Antichrist coming from among the earth's people, the sand of the sea. The Antichrist is totally evil. The Antichrist place on the high standing, great power, he it gets it directly from Satan. This is not a godly assignment. Many assume the Antichrist is assassinated. Now this, this he believes this teaching is erroneous, that the head wound is not. His, this is his comment. I'm giving you two. LaHay says it's a natural wound and he's resurrected, empowered by Satan. He says, no, I think that's erroneous. 
Where did the Antichrist, if he were to die, he would go immediately to hell, and only the Holy Ghost has the power to resurrect him. Obviously, you can make that argument. Regardless, it, it doesn't argue the fact that the Antichrist is evil, and Satan's involved in completely controlling him, right? And something happens in this process that the world sees this wound or is so overcome by the deception, they believe the lie. All right, Revelation 17.10 describes the five kingdoms that are fallen. We know from our history lesson there, Roman Empire, which existed at the time of John receiving the prophecy. Remember, Nero is there, and he's already hanging people and burning them at the stake, feeding them to the lions. And so John is speaking from that perspective of the Roman. He's living in it, in the Roman Empire. Um, the the restoration of the common market. We know now, I think there's 28 nations. Actually, the Ukraine is about to, they're just petitioning and wanting to enter the, the uh, European Union. You got Britain who's trying to get out. And that's a big spiritual fight. Um, and then you got the other nations. Look at France. How many months have they been now having the, the yellow coat um, rebellion in the streets of Paris where the people have said, you're not going to tax us for global warming, 70%, you know, all these crazy numbers. Um, so they're rebelling. The, the, the middle class in France is saying, I'm not, I'm not having this anymore. We're done. So you got this real spiritual battle going on, which is a precursor, I believe, to all of what's here. All right, let's drop down because we're running out of time here. Um, in verse 6 of chapter 13, when in a, listed on page 29a, it says verse V6 there, the Antichrist experiences a, a satanic surge in power and fulfills Satan's prophecy to set himself up as God. He defiles the temple and breaks his promise with the Jews. And you can reference, you see Daniel 9, 24 there, and also 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. Keep your finger there, because it's been a while since, but go back to 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. And this is where I believe the temple has to get rebuilt because it says he stands in the temple, so there needs to be a temple. Um, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, and let's look at verse 4. 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. Let me read verse, um, let's, let's start in chapter, in verse 2. 2 Thessalonians 2, 2. Don't be easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim they have a spiritual vision or revelation, a letter supposedly from us, don't be fooled by what they say. That day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction, he will exalt himself and defy everything that the people call God and every object of worship. He will insist, he will even sit in the temple of God claiming himself to be God. He is God. Do you remember I told you about this when I was with you? This lawlessness that already exists, this wickedness, this evil. So we know that this man of lawlessness, um, he, if we believe the timing is right, he's alive now, but he's not going to get revealed until about mid-trib. He will start to emerge as a great, somehow, person involved with the probably the United Nations. We'll get together, everybody in the, in the European Union. My premise is you have the nuclear war exchange between Russia and Israel in Ezekiel 38. 
a large number of the population, 25% of the world dies. You have nuclear fallout. People have all sorts of trouble. We decide this whole idea about sovereignty of nations, it's not working out too good. So this man will start to emerge, man or woman will start to emerge. And it's probably a man because it calls him male. And so will emerge and he will be this one. And he's going to then bring the peace and everything's going to look hunky-dunky until midway through it. He gets the Muslims to agree to build, to allow the Jews to build their temple because we already have a covenant of peace that we need to work together. Let's stop all this craziness, right? Yes, you're right. Build your, build your temple. It takes only 12 months, they say now, because all the, all the plans are there. All the hardware is there. They build the temple, and at one bright smack dab in the middle, he comes in and says, I'm breaking the peace agreement. I'm God. Somebody might be takes him out. He's mortally wounded. He's resurrected. He then releases a greater power. The false religious leader comes on the scene. He stands there, and the false prophet calls fire from the sky. And the rest, he's got to be God. Who can do that? Who else called fire from the sky? Elijah. That's why we thought maybe Elijah and Moses were the two witnesses. Did Satan ever call fire from the sky? How about Job? Just that revelation is like, wow, wait a minute. Remember when he, he said, I, I, don't, I don't really like this, but again, he's, if you heard Pastor Willie's message Sunday, he's God and you're not, and he can do whatever he wants. Yes, sir. When they had this deal, did you ever see my servant Job? Yes, well, he'll never, he, yeah, if you curse him, and, you, and there's, anyway, what happens? Satan causes fire to come from the sky, and a lot of, Job's stuff is taken out. Hey, I just put that down as a thought, okay? Those who say, well, Satan can't do that. Oh, really? Hmm. Maybe he did it already. Anyway, so now, of course, God allows certain things to happen. I don't know why. I, it's good. Anyway, I'll just leave it there. I trust him. He's good. Okay, moving right along in our last 15 minutes. When we look at the um, existence here of this surge in power and then... Verse 8, unsaved humanity, page 29a, unsaved humanity turns to the Antichrist as the Savior. This verse reveals the tribulation Christians are still on earth. There are tribulation Christians still on earth. They're getting saved during this period of time. The remaining Christians do not recognize the Antichrist as God. Don't forget, Gentiles in great number will come and get saved during the tribulation. You can read that in Zechariah chapter 8. This is the message of hope to tribulation saints. I mean, imagine if you witness to your children, grandchildren, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, and next tomorrow you're gone, right? All they find is your, un- you know, your underwear there in a pile, and you're gone. And they go, wow, maybe he was right, yeah, or she was right, and they get saved. It's, there's hope, but you're going to have to go through a, some stuff, right? That's why we want to be on the first train out of here. Okay. So, there is another figure that arises. Verse 11, the figure rises from humanity. He looks like a lamb, but he's actually a wolf. This is the false prophet, the head of then the defunct world religious order. Later will be called the prostitute, the harlot. This is the ecumenical church. This is this one world religion church that comes in power and is so anti-Christ and so deceiving, but 
Again, all of that which is working at this point, and we, we sit here and say, how can that be? But then you've got to put yourself through all of what they're going through. Turn the page. Um, it says, the Antichrist uh, allies destroy the world's religious headquarters permanently, he thinks with a nuclear strike, that's interesting. The evil force that is behind this first beast, the beast system, and the false prophet receives many, deceives many into worshiping the system. We know in verse 13 it says, the false prophet performs many lying signs and wonders. I planted with you last week this whole thing with the um, artificial intelligence. Right now we got all sorts of stuff going on with China and there's this espionage stuff trying to block it, and, but they're giving life to robots. If you watch what's going on on TV, I don't know if you watch the Super Bowl, but watch the commercials on TV. There is so much transformers and all, everything, right? They're talking to, to robots. The artificial intelligence that's coming on the scene, they're talking about, you know, unmanned cars, you'll be able to give a car, and, and you know, it's, it's coming, right? Does the False prophet, give life unto this false image like Nebuchadnezzar. If, if you don't worship the image of the beast, you die. You get guillotined, right? And so how does he give that life? Does he cause it? To, he says, cause it to speak. I don't know if it's AI. I don't know if it's demonic. All I know is it's supernatural and people get deceived. And so we see, again, the technology is coming on the scene as we speak. And so... Is this product, verse 14 there, is this statue the product of advanced robotics? Using great evil forces, verse 15, the false prophet gives power to the image, appearing to be alive, it speaks, and the penalty for refusing to worship the image is execution. The false prophet causes the Antichrist and followers to receive the mark in the right hand of the forehead. The false prophet claims that commercial transactions are permitted only by those who have the mark or the number of the beast. You who are wise, understand the number. So when we kind of sit here and you look at everything, it seems like there's a rapid increase in the pace of what's going on right now in the earth. The alignment of the nations, what's going on in Europe. Um, we believe, you know, if you look at um, in that study in Ezekiel, when you look at the, the study in Ezekiel about those who come against Iran, who changed their name from Persia to Iran in 1938. We read chapter 38, 37, 38, 39 of Ezekiel. Iran, Libya, Russia, from the north, direct, in the latter days will come against my people when they now dwell in their land in Israel. Put back together, no longer Israel and, and uh, Judah, but under one king, which they have, right? The Netkinesit is the ruling body under Prime Minister Netanyahu. And so now we see this connection of all those alignments. But there's a group of people that come against, nations that come against Russia. When they come to take the spoil in Ezekiel, it says there's a group of nations, the, the lions and the young lions come against this conglomeration of those coming against Israel. Well, that's why I just, I just plant this as a thought. Whose flag is the lion? Britain. Right? They're exiting, they're Brexiting right now to maintain and keep their sovereignty and not be part of the world's common market, one world system. They, 52% of the Brits voted to come out of the Un, uh, European Union. And so 
they're now, Teresa May, you know, they're trying to figure out how to exit this whole thing. It's a real spiritual mess over there. But that's just a thought. If, if Who are the young lions that came from Britain? United States, Canada, Australia. Who's aligned with the United States? Britain. Where we go, wherever we go, we go together. You look at the alliance of those things, right, against ISIS and other. Just a thought. When who are, are the evil Axis group, right? You got Russia. You got Iran. They are already threatening death to the United States, death to Israel, developing missiles. They, they launched a missile last week in Iran, violating all the treaties already. And so we see this thing. It says it could be that we say, wait a minute, you're not going to come against our ally and Brits and the Australians. The thing Walter sent me, Walter Goey sent me a thing this week of a, a, an Australian pastor. His Steve, how do you say his last name? Kokiogioki? Chukaletti. Amazing statement of everybody who's come against Trump. Here's an Australian pastor saying, you are out of your mind. Look what he has done. And he lists 50 or 60 items. I lost track of all the things that Trump says, which one of you Christians could have done what he has done, right? First thing he does, he, he abolishes all money going to abortions. He abolishes, um, he, he recognizes Israel as the capital of Jerusalem. On and on it goes. He sits in and he says, so it's, it's neat to have a pastor from another nation say, this man is in place because God put him there. And so when we, when we sit and we look at the, the stage being set right now, I believe we really could get raptured out of here at any moment. I used to think, eh, everybody thought that. He, Paul, Terry and I used to laugh. Paul thought he was out of here, right? We were coming back right around the corner. And John even said, yeah, the, the Antichrist has come and the, the last days are here. But realizing... Um, if Peter says a day is a thousand years with the Lord, or a thousand years is a day with the Lord, we're only two days into this thing, according to the Lord, according to Peter. So, but there has never been the number of fulfilled signs, technically and spiritually, as they're aligned right now. So I think we just need to be ready. And the best place to be is be in the ark of Jesus. If you're not born again, you're not saved Repent, just Lord, I messed it all up, and I'm sorry. Get saved, get in the get in the ark of Jesus, and then continue to walk out your life where righteousness is a weapon of both offense and defense. And if you need to be delivered from your darkness, addictions, brokenness, craziness, generational stuff, go to prayer ministry. Come and set up an appointment. Come in for prayer ministry, and do what James said. If you will humble yourself, when you come into prayer ministry, say, "Here's all my mess." I'm a sinner. Well, join the club. We're all sinners, right? And so he says, but he has called us now saints, and he's declared you righteous, right? Romans 3 through 6 or 7, how many times he says you've been made the righteousness of Christ by faith in Christ? So he no longer calls you sinners. He calls you saints, even though you may not feel like it. There are days when I may not model sainthood. Right? I tell my wife, I'm a saint. She goes, yeah, you're pushing it, you know. <laughs> but so if you would entertain with me, it looks like we've got three more Wednesdays, right? I don't think we're going to finish. <laughs>
we've been kind of doing two chapters uh, at a time here, right? Um, the month of March, we have set all of March as a family fellowship month. So March 6th, you'll be here, and we're going to show you a video Sunday, and we'll talk about it more on our media sites. Um, March 6th, we're going to have a family game night, and some of our team has put together, we're just going to have a really fun time. We're going to put f- different families together in a competitive role, and we're just going to have a fun family night with all the children's ministry, youth ministry. We're all going to come together on March 6th, Wednesday from 6.30 to 8. The following Wednesday, what's that, 6 plus the 13th, um, we're going to end up with, um, which one is that one? I think that's the burn night. Yeah, that's the night of burn. We're going to do a night of worship. We're going to do a night of throwdown worship from 6 to 8. It's in terms of we're going to take the burn from that Friday, pull it in, and we're just going to do bilingual worship. We're just going to have a time of worship as a family fellowship um, and just worship from 6 to 9 or whenever you have to leave. The following week, we're going to have a, it's going to be called A Meal for the Nations. Whatever nation you're from, bring us one of your family meals. For me, that'll probably be hamburgers and french fries, but, you know, but, whatever, but we have 11 Spanish nations. Some of you have some really interesting, so cook us up, you know, you, some of you do jalapenos and all that stuff, just bring it. We're going to set up a night of missions and nations, and people are just going to represent those nations and have everybody taste their food from those nations. Then the last Wednesday of March, we've uh, got a pavilion over at Humacray Park, and we're going to go in Humacray Park, pavilion number five, and we're going to take and do a night of worship and fellowship there. We always, you know, the, the, the dog walkers and the joggers all come, and they hear, what are you guys doing? We always have salvations when we do that. So, so the month of March, we're going to set aside as fellowship time for the family gathering, everybody together. But then we'll pick up again in April. Um, we've got <clears throat> some major events. We've got the, the Voice of the Prophets going on in Pennsylvania the first week in, in April. The end of April, we are now, we've confirmed with Leif Hetland and Jack Taylor, we're going to do Reigning in Christ conference. April 26, 27, and 28. You mark your calendars on that. Um, if you haven't read the bio on Leif Hetland, go on Global uh, Awareness and look it up. And he's just an amazing brother. We've been on the mission fields with him, and he's been here several times. And Jack Taylor's my spiritual dad, and he's 84. Spring chicken, right, Mom? And uh, but he's he's coming, and uh, they're going to talk king. They're going to show us, demonstrate, and give us impartation on how can you live. And reign. This is R-E-I-G-N, reigning, not reigning on your head like water on your head. No, reigning, or ruling and reigning with Christ here in all the stuff that we do in life. Reigning in life. How do we become victorious to reign in life? And I'm just telling you, you'll hear Leif's testimony. Um, he was a Baptist pastor in Norway. 25 of them were in a basement in a church. Randy Clark laid hands on him. Randy prophesied. You will be a bulldozer in dark places. He's led over a million and a half Muslims to the, to the Christ. I've seen the videos of where he ought to be dead. The Taliban put a bag over his head, take him. They call him the love prophet. It's just crazy favor that this man has. And so he's paid a tremendous price, um, but he's going to come and he's going to impart to us 
this victory in Christ. So don't, don't miss that conference. It'll be a Friday night. That's April 26th. Then Saturday the 27th, we'll do two sessions, and then they're both going to preach Sunday here, and it'll be just an amazing time. All right. Let's stand. Thank you, John and Andrea. Isn't that great worship? Love it. Love it, love it. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Help us, Lord. Regardless of what the doctrinal theories might be about all these things, there's darkness coming. You are the light. You told us there's a way out, and you told us to walk and get ready. So, Lord, let's just take the 50,000-foot view, and, Lord, I ask for you to release your blessing and favor. No fear, because perfect love expels fear. And, Lord, I pray anyone who's struggling with shame or guilt or fear of failure, Lord, you just take that away because there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So thank you for the victory that you give us, Lord, in Christ. Bless your people now. Give them rest and safety in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.